the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As you look at God's response to Job in chapters 40 and 41, you can't help but understand Job's response, as we'll see today on Abounding Grace. God reveals himself to Job in ways that he hasn't revealed himself to anybody prior to that point in time. Job's response is the subject of our time together the rest of the week here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We welcome you to today's broadcast, and if you've got a copy of the Scriptures handy, join us. We're in Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, simply titled, Job's Repentance. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Well, these verses, along with Psalm 51, which we sang a little while ago, Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, Peter's repentance after his denial of Christ, probably stand as some of the clearest examples of what repentance looks like. Remember that as we, remember that as we look at these few verses this afternoon. Now, Job is what we would call a Christian. Old Testament, but we would call him a Christian. Job was a believer. Job was a godly man, and yet we see in him, when convicted of particular sins in his life, what his responses truly were. Repentance, perhaps, in our way of thinking today, is old-fashioned doctrine. And it kind of assumes a standard. It assumes that, I'm not what I need to be. Repentance means I'm not okay, you're not okay, and we're not okay altogether. Repentance means we have sinned. James said in chapter 3, verse 2, In many things we offend all, we including Christians. That is why John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He came preaching to people in the visible church. Jesus told the Jews who were within the visible church, unless you repent, you will perish in Luke chapter 13. These and many other examples teach us that God does not forgive our sins unless we repent of them. But of course, left to ourselves, we have no clear idea what repentance would even look like. We wouldn't even know we needed repentance. And we certainly wouldn't know what real repentance is, which is to turn from and hate our sins and to turn to God. But scripture says in Acts 11:18 that God has granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. And that's you and me. 
So we have great reason to praise the Lord that what we can't do ourselves, what we can't do for others that we love, the Lord does. And I dare say that you know people that your heart would rejoice if God granted them repentance. And you can't give it to them. But the Lord can. And here we are shown again that our Savior's name is Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. And we have a great example of this in Job's repentance. It's interesting that all the modern blather about loving yourself. We see here that Job... When he was brought to repentance, he hated himself. And beloved, this wasn't a sign of a sick mind. It was a sign that God had restored him to a true view of himself. Job didn't make any excuses for his sins. He didn't try and whitewash over them with grace. Job knew that when we know God's grace, it teaches us, as Paul says in Titus 2.11... To flee from sin, not to dismiss it as, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. Let just a little bit of sin in so we can have more grace. And we will see also that Job's repentance was specifically of those ways that he offended God. Even with all the good things Job said, He still challenged God's wisdom and power, and he complained against God's providences in his life. By the way, even though the text doesn't say it, you remember the book opened with Satan's challenge against God. Well, I think we should observe just in passing that when Job repented, Satan lost. Satan didn't win because Job sinned. Satan lost because Job repented and he turned to the Lord. Let that be a lesson to us, that the Lord brings victory and peace to us through our repentance. He honors himself. He may try us beyond what we think is necessary, but in the end, if we humble ourselves under his hand, he will raise us up. In verse 2, Job says, I know that you can do everything. That is God. And that no thought can be withheld from you. Now Job knew God's power. And you can go back to places in the book where he, in the face of his friend's accusations, confesses God also to be righteous. God to be justice. God to be powerful. But under the weight of his sufferings and his friends needling him constantly with their accusations, Job twisted, got twisted in bitterness. And he started complaining and speaking rashly against the Lord. But remember, it wasn't because Job denied God's power and God's righteousness that he complained, but because he believed in God. But it was, Lord, where are you? I know that you're good. I know that you are righteous. I know that everything I have comes from your hand. But where are you? Why are you treating me like an enemy? Well, remember, God has been asking Job some questions. And back in chapter 40, Job expresses an initial repentance. Do you remember that? Job 40, verse 3. 
Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. So then, I have to ask, why does God bring in behemoth and Leviathan? Remember that? It is because the Lord knows how much humbling we need. He knows the root of our sin, and he would deepen Job's repentance. He wanted his word to take deep root in Job's life. You know, it's one thing for Job to know as part of a theological confession. Yes, God can do all of his own holy will. Yes, no thought can be withheld from God. And that is a great thing to know, but it is something else when that knowledge pierces deeply into our hearts and we realize, I am naked and open before God. He knows all of my thoughts. Others may not be able to know what I'm thinking, and I may be able to hide it before others, but I am naked and open before God and His power. And what He said to Job revealed this to Job's heart in ways that he had not known before. I think there are two things we can learn primarily from verse 2 that can help us to understand the way that God brings us to repentance. Notice, first of all, after Job expressed the initial repentance in verses 4 and 5 of Job 40, God doesn't say anything, yea or nay. He just keeps asking Job more questions. He just keeps revealing more of his glory to Job. Why does he do this? Well, one, he's a wise father. I'm sure your parents have probably had a child that after one swat on his behind, thought the discipline ought to be over with now. Just one, okay, Dad, I'm good. Joe, perhaps at some level, may have thought this, but the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. And again, He wants His Word when He convicts us and when He disciplines to take deep root in us. So that we don't have to just, we don't have just a surface shallow repentance. So he knows I need to bring my people to a point of a conviction over the real evil of sin. Not just the evil of the consequences. We can see all that. Unbelievers can see. If you do this, you have this consequence. But that is way different than realizing. I have sinned against a holy God. Repentance is not simply being sorry, I did something wrong and regretting what happens to me as a result. Repentance is a turning from our sin, as our confession says, out of a sense of a hatefulness of them before a holy God. And then a resolving to walk in all the ways of his commands. Now, we can't bring ourselves to this point. We can't bring our children to this point. God alone can turn us to him in this way. 
so that we truly recognize the evil of our sins as rebellion against him and actually a spitting in his face and then looking to him for mercy. Now, I want to stress this to you concerning verse 2, that repentance, real repentance, not a sham repentance, not, well, I'm sorry I did that, or I'm sorry you took offense that I did that, but real repentance has a Godward focus, a Godward reference. King David's famous line in Psalm 51, his penitential psalm is in verse 3, which is actually a good standard for which we can weigh our repentance. But David says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. This is what marks true repentance. Daniel was the same way. Daniel said in chapter 9, We have sinned against you. We have sinned against your commands. We have not listened to your word. This is the true conviction that leads to true repentance. And it is life-altering when I think I have sinned against a holy God. It was life-altering for the Corinthians. We see this in 2 Corinthians 7. We're going to begin to look at uh, in, in verse 10. Now, this is perhaps the clearest New, passage, New Testament passage of Scripture in one place showing what true repentance looks like. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now listen. Weigh yourselves by this. Husbands, wives, children, businessmen, elders, everyone, we need to weigh ourselves. Again, behold this selfsame thing for this, or this very thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. It's as if Paul here says, okay, do you want me to show you that your repentance was real? That is was actually from God. He says there, what carefulness not to go down that path anymore. Carefulness and turning from the sin. What clearing of yourselves. That doesn't mean self-justification. It means they wanted to make it right with God. And then it says, yea, what indignation. You see, there was a sense of hatred for what they had done, for what they had become because of their sins. What fear, fear of the Lord. David expresses fear in Psalm 51. Even while he was praising God, he says, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Now that's an interesting line. Because one, David was an Old Testament saint, and two, a saint who believed in God's mercy, but three, a saint who realized God is offended by my sins. It's not like God is just up there like Santa Claus. Okay, Gary, you did a good thing. Oh, well, now you did a bad thing. Oh, I might be able to erase that good thing later on. 
David was a saint who appreciated God's mercy. But he also appreciated, I've sinned against the Lord. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Back to 2 Corinthians 7. It says, what a vehement desire. Desire for holiness. Desire to walk faithfully in the future. What zeal? Zeal for God. What revenge? Revenge on who? Now that's a strange thing. I think revenge on themselves to take it out on themselves. Not not in a sense of self-atonement. But in the sense we forgive ourselves much too easily. Now, it's possible never to forgive yourself so that, well, I've done something so bad, God will never forgive me. But it is also possible to say, oh, you know, easy come, easy go. Sin some, win some. But not the Corinthians and not Job. Notice here, Job felt in verse 2 something of the power of God. That he had sinned against the Lord and now he's humbled by God's power. But he also trusts God's mercy and his promise of forgiveness. So he kisses the hand that has afflicted him. Secondly, I think we should note about verse 2 that Job already believed these things before. It's not the first time in his life that he ever said, light bulb, oh, God can do everything. Oh, God does know all of my thoughts. No, of course not. He believed this before, but listen closely. The old truths came to him with an immediacy and a power that he had not ever known before. Job already believed that God knew everything and that all of man's thoughts were accessible to him, but now as God reveals his glory and the horses and the stars and the seas and behemoth and Leviathan, Job realizes, whoa, before God's majesty, which is so magnificent, I have revolted against him. I've been complaining against his providence. I've not been trusting his power and God's sovereignty and his holiness shocked his soul into a humility that he had not known before. And I think in many ways, that is the way God deals with us as well. You know, we may hear a hundred sermons about the sufferings of Christ and say, Oh yeah, pastor, that was a good one. Keep going with that. But then one day, God comes to us in mercy. And suddenly when the preacher is preaching about Christ's suffering on the cross, the realization comes to us like a streak of lightning an arrow from the Most High that just penetrates to the depths of our soul. It was my sin that struck down the Son of God. It was my wickedness. He was bruised for my sake. He was crushed on my account. It was my filth. And then we are suddenly awake. It's not that we receive new information, but it's that God brought His Word to bear upon us with power that awakened us from our coldness and our sluggishness and we begin to see something of the evil of our sins in light of Christ's cross 
Now, we can't control when and how God does this quickening work. But, but, the, but the Bible notes about ten references where we are told to pray for it. David says repeatedly in the Psalms, Quicken me, O Lord. Quicken me, O Lord. Quicken me. Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 4, Awaken you who are asleep. Rise and Christ will shine on you. Now God doesn't speak to us from a whirlwind like he did Job. But he does speak to us today more powerfully through the scriptures. And that's why Jesus said to search the scriptures, John chapter 5, verse 39. In Ephesians it says, pray for the eyes of our understanding to be open and forsake all those deadening influences that kind of hide God. You know, the worst thing you can do, the thing that most hinders repentance, is when we forget who God truly is. So everything that distracts us from remembering His holiness, His power, the promises that He has made to us, His mercy, His grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever makes those, same, those things seem unreal to us, we have got to stay away from them so that we can continue to grow in the knowledge of God and be humbled and be quickened so that we will truly repent. In verse 3, Job confesses his specific sins to the Lord, mainly high views of his own wisdom and a complaining spirit against the Lord. Now, Job never says anywhere in any of his speeches to his three friends, I am just so wise. He never says that. But here in the light of what God has told him, he realizes I've been talking about what God has been doing and standing in judgment of God's providences in my life. I really don't know what I've been saying. I have no understanding. I'm not competent to enter into a debate with God. He says, these things I see now are too wonderful for me. And notice there, he said, that I understand not. I was talking like a madman. I have no clue. God, your ways and your words are beyond my ability to understand it in and of myself. And I certainly should not have been standing in judgment and saying, Lord, you don't remember my integrity? Don't you remember how much I love you? Why are you doing this to me? Job said, I should have just been quiet. Now, it's not that Job says something like, okay, Lord, you're right, of course, you're bigger than I am, you know more than I do, you're stronger than I am, but then again, you did afflict me without any real justification, and you certainly didn't explain it to me. It wasn't like Job cried, uncle, okay, the arm wrestling match is too much for me, Lord. No, what Job did was he repented of his wrestling with God at all. He repented of complaining, thinking he could understand God's ways and realize, like David did later in his life, he should have just fallen into the hands of the Lord without complaining or having even one thought, I understand what God is doing. But I tell you, what a humbling lesson. 
You know, we may complain against God, don't we, at least a thousand times. We may never really verbalize it. Maybe sometimes we do. The Lord's not fair. I don't have a wife. Or, Lord, you're treating me too roughly. Or, Lord, life is just too hard here. You should deal with me gently. Or maybe we sin and the Lord chastens us. Or our parents rebuke us. Or my spouse doesn't agree with me and I'm not getting my way. And we say, that's enough, Lord. I've been chastened enough. And we forget the Lord scourges every son and daughter he receives. Hebrews 12, verse 6. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. (music) 